Oh, hello. This episode of Cinema Swirl was brought to you with the support of our backers over at patreon.com forward slash cinema swirl. If you want to support the show, Patreon is the place to go. $5 backers get access to Cinema Swill, our monthly exclusive bonus show where Kevin and I review some really terrible movies, including our most recent episode, James Bond, Die Another Day. There's over 24 hours of bonus content which you'll get instant access to at that $5 level. Plus, there's plenty more stuff still to come, including a reverse swirl, which patrons will be getting early access to. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinema swirl, see if it's for you, check it out, have fun. Alright, let's get swirling. Swirl! Oh, sure, we went through a nice grand drive through Clany. It's episode number 63! <laughs> Once again, back in the saddle, returning to the vault of Hollywood, turning the handle and the crank for all the magic that's coming out, because Sam Chaplin, my OTP and co-host, has not seen any of it up until now. How are you doing, Sam? I'm alright, thank you. Very well. Glad to be driving through. Where was it? Cl- Clany. 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 Yeah, yeah, lovely. How are you doing? I'm very very well. I'm always happy because you know I'm always an appreciator of second place, mm-hmm. second chance runners up, the losers, the weirdos, the oddballs. Yeah. And that's why we once again find ourselves tending bar at the second chance city sicker slate saloon. <laughs> Because it's second chance swirl, baby. We've not done one of these for a while, it feels like. So this is a nice opportunity to dig back through some films that didn't make it in our votes previously. But we're we're pretty close. A lot of these were all pretty much neck and neck in their original votes. Yeah, we had some a lot of crazy close votes. Like, Mm. closer votes than we've ever had in Cinema Swirl. Because Cinema Swirl always felt like it had the obvious choice in some respects in the votes. And then very often that was not the obvious choice that I thought. But at least something would win. Too much close closeness at the moment which is bad for democracy as we know sam yep less closeness more things further apart we want to (laughs) separate everything so the choices that we had over on facebook.com forward slash cinema swirl were con air goodwill hunting and speed. Wow. This was not quite as tight as the, at the top as they were in their original votes. Con Air won by a considerable margin, but what I will say is that Goodwill Hunting received 69 votes. Nice. Yeah. 69 dudes. And of course, Robin Williams, who really was one of the kind of the modern comedy gods of our time. I think he'd appreciate that. He'd Sam. love that. I think there'd be a little twinkle in his eye if he was to hear that. Look, Kevin, it. <laughs> It's not my place to say, but I feel like it's what he would have wanted. (laughs) I think so, absolutely. And I'll be happy to let him know as well that 69 is still a funny number in this day and age. It's still funny. You know, because that would be my, if I was contacted past my time, that would be my first reaction. It wouldn't be like, oh, wait, hang on. This isn't some sort of an evil number or anything now that you've given me as a vote in here now. Sorry, just (laughs) an image has popped into my head of, you know, like, and I'm not saying this about Robin Williams, but just, you know, ghosts and haunting in general yeah if you if there was a ghost who instead of going ooh, went (laughs) (laughs) if you listen carefully you can hear the rumbling of the stands some say they're like an extra player on the field but i think they're just an extra chill down my spine 
And you think they're chatting for goals? They're not. They're chatting for ghouls. <laughs> Come on, England. Give us a ghoul. <laughs> no, don't. That's what they want. Ah, uh, well. The Con Air. Con Air. Nicolas Cage, who for the first, like, three and a half years of this podcast seemed to sidestep any sort of involvement, which Nary I always thought was mention. quite strange. Nary you mention. Mm. And sure, if you're waiting for one Nick Cage and then Bloomin' Five show up as the way it goes, mm. and here we are now. I don't want to say I'm sick of Nick Cage, but I'm certainly hoping you're all not sick of Nick Cage because here he comes once again. I, I, you know what? I don't think anyone's getting Nick sick. If you're getting... You're not getting Nick sick. I don't want to nitpick, but I, I don't think anyone's getting Nick sick no but in this movie yeah. you may get some air nick oh. instead which is different <laughs> i'm excited to see where nick cage takes this i think he's become a, a firm favorite on the show yeah you're, you're a fave i'm a fan of nick i enjoy his work both on swirl and swill what yeah he's appeared everywhere that's he's, what's, what's great yeah. about him he's multifaceted mm. and it's very funny you can't really discern the performances from one and the other like you know no. it's more or less you know no no face off is an objectively good performance whereas somehow the wicker man is an objectively bad performance get that out of here no way there's no way to know what's your favorite nick you've seen so far the be- best nick would have without a doubt would have to be face off nick who was just so kind of i mean so before the face exchange the exchange of faces mm. a, a ludicrous villain very kind of it's just so, that heightened acting that big acting from nick is what i what i crave and there's a lot of that in face off now you've got the title of con air mm-hmm. i assume you've seen the poster as you tend to <laughs> i've seen the poster i'm aware and i think i pointed this out before it blew my mind well con air presumably is a pun on air con right uh, I Must I will be. accept that. I will accept that. It's the weirdest thing because since you brought that up, yeah. I have approached many people. And I will say with Con Air, it's certainly a movie that's been very important in my life, but only in the fact that a lot of people close to me, it has been one of their most important movies. Right. Like, this is the total recall of like many of my closest friends and whatnot. This is their big, big movie. It's a big movie for a lot of people. Mm. And I'm always happy to watch Con Air. But most of my experiences have been with people who like... It was one of their original movies watching growing up. And I, that wasn't my experience with it. But right. we're in for an absolute howler here. Mm. But anyone who I've come up to who's been a big fan of it, and I said, oh, yeah, Aircon, it's it's a parody or a pun on that, right? Yeah. And everyone has kind of went, yeah, I guess so. And then that's it. It's, it's no impact whatsoever <laughs> on the I, movie. I feel like it must be. But, like, structurally, it's a strange way to present a a pun or a bit of wordplay there. It's like yeah. reversing. It's confusing. It's not like the Neil Buchanan children's art show Art Attack, which is undoubtedly a pun on heart attack, which can be fatal and kills people. I, I've always, that's always <laughs> not that well with me when I think about Art Attack being a pun on heart attack. I'm like, that, uh, you know. That is a bad thing. And it's Maybe a fun you shouldn't be so happy, Neil, every single time you've done one of these pieces. Maybe a little a little bit of dignity and respect <laughs> the, the subject matter, and then you raise your arms up and we do the big yeah. zoom out. So you've seen the poster, you've read the pun. Mm. What are you expecting from the lineup you see in there, the title that you have so effortlessly eviscerated? What is going to happen in Con Air? <laughs> Sam Chaplin slams Con Air title and destroys it. Owns it. <laughs> Ain't gonna be no Con Air 2, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Right, we'll go into who's in this. I think that's important to go into. And then what I think will happen. Mm -hmm. But the the people who are in this, 
Now, I had it in my head, and I don't know why, that Kevin Spacey was in this. He isn't in this, which, I mean, no. good. We've managed to avoid we him, <laughs> like, a, like, I mean, because he's in fucking everything. Like, if yeah. he was to show up in movies not as the main guy, I don't think anyone would be like, oh, why are they doing a Spacey movie? Because he fucking shows up everywhere. Yeah. Yet we've managed to really thread the needle in. We've managed to avoid him. I was worried that that's <laughs> what this one was. I never realised. But I think what's happened is that, so John Malkovich and John Cusack are in this. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. if you mushed those two men together... <laughs> and add a lot of crime. And add, yeah, and add a lot of crime. You'd sort of get a Spacey-type figure. I don't know. But so, John Cusack and John Malkovich, I know them both from being mm. John Malkovich. Ah, you've seen that! I'm not saying that John Malkovich, I know him from the fact that he is John Malkovich. The film Being John Malkovich, which I watched a long time ago. Let me guess, you yeah. had like a fucking, you had, that was the 50% of your A-levels was to watch Being John Malkovich. No, I, I was not told by anyone to watch it. Alright, it just seems to be a recurring thing when there's any like kind of cool thing that I went out of my way to find as a teenager. No. All of you in England had a fucking course in it. Oh, what's your degree in? Cohen Brothers, and I got an A, and now I'm a millionaire. Fuck that. No, it was one of those things that I'd sought out because I was very interested in the work of Charlie Kaufman. Mm. I think this, actually, this might have been the first of his things that I saw. And I remember loving it and it blowing my oh, mind. It's being, so good, isn't it? it, like, it wild. But I, I can't really remember that much of it. But I remember John Malkovich being interesting. I remember John Cusack being interesting. I've also seen Malkovich in that Space Force thing on Netflix now. Ah, yeah, you've watched an episode of that as well, I think. <laughs> the show that is just going to replace The Office in everyone's hearts, presumably. That's what Netflix want. Well, the thing about The Office is that The Office was made to a strict deadline before the satire literally vaporised upon contact with current time. Yeah. So, like, you know, I always feel a deadline is the most important thing in comedy, <laughs> you know? I've watched some of that, and... I feel guilt. I, I stopped. I got about five episodes in and then just kind of trailed off and thought, eh. But John Mokovich was, like, nice in that. It was kind of I'm, fun. I'm, I'm quite impressed at how quickly I'm able to trail off on, on Netflix yeah. series that aren't very good anymore. Like, I've I've gotten that down to a lean one episode. Yeah, I know, I know this five, six episode uh, business anymore. Fuck that. Like. I was trying to convince myself that it was good because I liked all of the people in it. Uh, yes. And then it, but it just didn't quite... It was okay. It's not bad. They've done what most podcasts tend to do, which is to hide the fact that what they're talking about isn't very good by surrounding it with people that you like and recognise. Yeah. And that's our playbook. You're not allowed to use that in telly, <laughs> all right? That's ours. You have to ask us permission. So my knowledge of Malkovich is a little bit broader. You've seen Johnny English, I'm assuming, right? Uh, have I seen... Da -da -da -da. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've seen one of the Johnny Englishes but didn't mm. really pay that much attention. I've also seen John Malkovich in, oh, God, Of Mice and Men, the adaptation of that, which I did, uh, yes. which I did have to watch for school. Me too. That was a school thing. I remember, like, our, our teacher being like, just don't, all right, don't say anything, all right? Just don't, because I'm going to put this on. Just don't say anything. Right. Because it's it w meant well when they made this, all right? So don't yeah, it, say it, anything. It feels like we're, it needs a proviso, that film. Yeah, yeah, which is funny because when my brother was in school, like, you know, a few years earlier, and they were showing him the older version of, of Mice and Men where Crooks is played by a white man in blackface, they got a similar chat where, like, just don't, all right? Just don't. <laughs> uh. Of Mice and Men better just read it and yeah. you know just read it <laughs> but my, my my view is that malkovich is kind of a, a quirky character actor 
he can seem quite imposing. But he can also be very disarming, and he's not above being in a bit of trash as well. I think he's the thinking, I think he's the working man's Philip Seymour Hoffman. Right. You know, okay. In that, yeah, on he's obviously is very, very good. He's obviously better than Johnny English slash Mission Impossible 3, but he's going to go and blow your mind in Sin and Douche being John Malkovich. I'm interested in Malkovich. Cusack, I don't know that much about other than his performance in being John Malkovich, which I remember being mm. quite good. Mm. But I don't know. I, he's, he pops up in a lot of things, but I don't feel like he he's popped does. up in things recently as much. He feels like he's one of the missing jigsaw pieces of your, like, you know, 90s slash noughties mm. zeitgeist that we've been slowly filling in these past 63 episodes. He's definitely a 90s figure, I feel, John Cusack, in oh, terms of... Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he looks like he would have collected records. Hang on. In the 90s. There, uh, you see now. Ah, right. It's different to what you yeah. were thinking now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, I know that they're in it. I don't know anyone else who's in it. And what's happening, Sam? Right. Air condition repairman? What's going on? Here's the thing about Conair. I don't know what happens, but I can kind of guess. Guess. Go my on, guess. understanding, my idea here, is that it's prisoners on a plane, and it mm-hmm. goes wrong. <laughs> right? That's pretty close, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know beyond that. I don't know, you know, more details. I don't know who's who. It's kind of like, yeah, you're right there in the sense but that... Con is in Convict. Air is in Airplane. Con Air. Convict's in the air. Disney on so ice. So you're, you're, you're convinced they're convicts. You don't think these are all, like, swindlers on a plane where they're like... I didn't get my peanuts, darling. And they're like, oh, it's, it's, it's like, it's like hustle, but on a plane. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a man in a luminous jacket walking up and down, taking all of the complimentary schnapps. Swapping the briefcases, but they're in the overhead compartments. <laughs> this man's not helping this elderly lady with her luggage at all. He's stealing it. Yeah. So I, I don't really know beyond that, but I just think, okay. like, it's one of those prisoners on a plane. Summer happens. You know, come on. It, it, I mean, it looks like an action film. Like it's, it, it, this is not high drama. Absolutely, that's all. That's the one word: action, right? Action. And I think I don't know what fucking great new ground we're potentially going to break, other than we're going to go watch an action movie with Nicolas Cage. It's going to be fucking awesome. <laughs> we thought I'm fine with that if you are. Yeah, we, we've been doing a lot of that kind of thing, and it it feels nice, doesn't it? It just feels it nice does. to do a fun action film. I watched a fun Nick Cage '90s action movie, mm-hmm. The Rock, the other night, just for fun you know there you go yeah you know if i've and if i have to do it for cinema swirl in a few months i don't mind but that was a treat I, for you off the clock it is yeah and joe got to hear all the sean cannery jokes that i was too afraid to make on our bond episodes <laughs> <laughs> in a way kevin you watching a Nicolas cage action film feels much like a busman's holiday a hey. phrase I used in the Live and Let Die episode where it all come comes together. On. Come on. Li- yeah. Oh, come on, SM. Live and let leave it out, all right? <laughs> so, I know who's in it, but I can guess what happens. This is one of those ones that I'm kind of pumped for. Because I think okay. this has a good reputation as being, like, trashy fun, right? Have you heard that from people? Like, has anyone ever been like... Because this is a movie that I was always very impressed that was a stalwart of my original university days. And then when I moved to Lincoln, mm. and I had those days, it was still still there with, with, with the younger folk. It, I don't know where it comes from, but it feels like it fits into that pantheon of things like Face Off. Not just films that have got Nick Cage in, but... You know, that big action, 
silly, fun, stick it on, have a popcorn, get a it pizza. It kind of feels like you've mastered Mario Kart and now I'm going to show you, like, you know, a very basic, a new track, but a new track that's basically like a tutorial. Like, because you know you're Nick Cage now. You know what to expect. You're going to have a good time. Yeah. That doesn't take away from the fact that you're going to have an excellent time with this. You know, okay. your, your knowledge notwithstanding. But I want to know... What's in the goddamn mailbag? Welcome, everyone, to the mailbag. Here we are in in Mm. the old mailbag. Uh, Now, our first email here into cinemaswirl at gmail.com. That's cinemaswirl at gmail.com. Comes in from someone, and I shall reveal it in due course. Oh, uh, a mystery. <laughs> reads as follows. Good day to you both, Sam and Kevin. On your Beverly Hills episode, after one Doug Bond messaged in, you put out the call for any listeners with famous names. Back in 1986, my parents decided that naming me after my dad was a good idea, in inverted commas, subsequently leaving me with the name Mike Tyson. Ah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mike says, as you can imagine, this led to me having a life full of jokes, like, ooh, do you box, and don't beat me up, and many references to biting ears. That's the thing, the life of having a Mike Tyson name. Mike Tyson. Because we talked about, about Doug, that you know, maybe, you know, in, in the late years now, when the, the new James Bond movies are coming out, and it might be a little bit sexy that he's got a yeah. Bond name, uh, compared to the embarrassing Die Another Day days, where I'm sure he just didn't tell anyone his surname. Whereas Mike, I imagine, he had in the 90s a lot of, like, oh, very prominent sports figure, scary fall from grace, yeah. cr- recriminations, attempted come back i bet he if that's that's a name that you don't know what you're gonna get there's, if someone comes up to you there's peaks and troughs i think in having the oh, name mike absolutely. tyson absolutely yeah. jesus yeah. christ mike says uh you know all these jokes have gotten very stale over the years as you can imagine uh, he doesn't know how to tie it into films it's fine mike you don't need to but he just mentions the hangover uh, that should do it right job done thanks mike thank you mike i appreciate that that's proper i, th- I feel like that's the most like straight up famous name we've had in you know we, we had yeah. Doug Bond but Doug, <laughs> Doug just had the surname but the name was Doug Doug Bond the name wasn't James comma no. James Bond you see so yeah. it was I think that takes the cake and I'm not really sure if I should be offered I mean no it does take the cake because I offer you cake Mike Tyson yeah. for having to to no doubt deal with the bullshit of having of, of having to deal with all that the famous name bar has been raised thank you Mike so our next email into cinemaswell at gmail.com comes from Tom who writes that's Hello. cinemaswell at gmail.com Hello, Kevin and Sam. Tom here. I was just listening to your previous episode on Live and Let Die. During the episode, Sam suggested that if he were to be thrown from a plane by nefarious types, he would like to be done so with a skateboard so he could attempt an amazing aerial manoeuvre. Kevin then said that if he were to land such a move, it would be so amazing that it would prompt the return of the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater series. Given the remaster of the first two Tony Hawk's games that have recently been announced... Can you please confirm or deny if Sam was indeed thrown from a plane and proceeded to land the sickest of six skateboard tricks upon landing? Many thanks, your pal Tom. I did it for the greater good. I did a big trick out of a plane. It's good on you. It's fucking gnarly, dude. Yeah. I landed it backside. I didn't land on my backside. I landed it backside and then went ah. up the went up a, a half pipe. Fakey. Well, you know, like, guys, if you're a pro skater, you, you know kind of the conversation that's going to happen now. You'll often see it on the skate park where someone hits a sick trick and then their friend comes over, they slap hands, they embrace, and he says to the other, um, 
How many points did you get? Uh, so I, I was wondering, like, how many points did, did you get for that? So many points that it, really? went, it went, like, off the screen. Like, it couldn't handle wow. the amount of points. I broke real life's point counter with my I, sick I trick. I really appreciate you doing that, Sam, because, right. you know, I know that Tony Hawk's isn't your flavour. That's not your brand, and you did it, it anyway. Well, it, it was. It was. It's important to remember that, you know, that these things start somewhere. Uh, if it, it definitely started with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Are, are you telling me that skate stands on the shoulders of giants that are, that are doing ollies and therefore even higher up still? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm glad it's coming back. That did genuinely excite me, that announcement of the new Tony Hawk's game. So, well, a, a remaster. A remaster, and they had to previously do another remaster that was shit. And so now they've remastered it again. Hopefully it's going to be good. I don't know. And and the guys at Alien Ant Farm, there's no news on three being done yet, and we'll just we'll wait and see. Don't, I just don't. In these times, you don't want to seem too desperate. So let's just hold off now, and we're all here for you. The whole Cinema Swirl fan base will make a wish, yeah. a single dash wish. <laughs> is what we'll do. All right. <laughs> we make wishes all the time. Like we'll be fine. <laughs> also, Skate Three. Apparently, there's going to be a remake of that, but it's going to be a mobile port. Awesome. So, mm, okay. You know. No, that's fine, son, because if you remember when we were younger, they had little skateboards you could use up for your fingers, and those were very... Those were... I'm sure them skills are transferable. Yeah. That you'll be able to go straight from Ollie-in on those onto your phone there, and you'll be grand. Let's... Here's hoping. So, <laughs> thank you for that, Tom. Now, Jeff Maxfield... Uh, to, to use his full name here, because I think that's appropriate. He sent something in. He sent in some artwork. Mm. Now, normally, you know, we've we've joked about not having people send in fan art before. But, I, you know, I... Look, secretly, I welcome it. I love it. It's great. It's a bit of fun. I thought that was obvious from what yeah, we said. it was so just... If we need to say right now that we really would appreciate artwork and fan works of any sort... Anything. Obviously, we love would. Love it. Love it. What it was earlier is that we wanted you to think we were cool. <laughs> it didn't matter to us. But before you go all grumbly, now that you have a higher opinion of us because you previously thought we were cool, mm. the artwork will increase in, in quality Draw as well. Us so with, with the sunglasses on. Is yeah. what I would say. So it um, was for your benefit that lie. If someone wants to draw me doing that sick skateboard trick with the shades <laughs> on, then fine. Um, so Jeff Maxfield, what he's done, this is really unfortunate. Jeff has sent in a picture, and it's Mark Commode as a spider brushing wet pavements. What the fuck, Sam? Why did he do that? So, like, no, no, no artwork, please. None <laughs> yeah. of that. No, we're fine. Jeff's ruined it. That's Sorry. No, that's yeah. no. You're not allowed to do that. Now I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I, have even, I haven't even seen it. <laughs> Go on, show it to me. Go on. <laughs> No, go on, go on, let's see it then. <laughs> we'll, we'll pop it up on the socials. At least pork pie jelly didn't make its way into the, the image. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's a good point, actually, Jeff. If you really wanted to shit us up, you could have had like that kind of ooze, that pork pie ooze. Com- oh, no, maybe the spider's tummy is filled with the pork pie ooze. Oh, Oh, no. and he's brushing that pave. <laughs> is this what happens for us having an indulgent Nick Cage <laughs> episode? Is yeah. that we just have to, like, be suffer for our art. Jeff has it's punished what- us for no reason. I don't understand this, Jeff. Jeff, you've made... You've 
punished us for our art with your art. Mm. This is like some sort of art Pokemon battle. Yeah, all right, okay, podcast type art Pokemon isn't like a real type. It's, it's legitimate, like the Pokemon with the microphones, it's legitimate. I feel like what you've done, Jeff, is you've shown us a piece of work, but you've actually shown yourself to be a piece of work, because that <laughs> is not on, all right? I'd ask you to show your workings, but there wouldn't be workings with this, would there? There'd be plottings, wouldn't there? <laughs> There'd be scheming. <laughs> so, thank you, in inverted commas, Jeff. <laughs> Thanks for that. Our final message here. Uh, this this is interesting. Comes in Ooh. from Ashley, who writes... In fact, Kevin, what I'm going to do, because this, this, is, this is germane to something I want to show you, and I'll get to what Ashley says in a minute, but basically it's referencing this. I, I want you to take a listen to this. Just before you play this, mm-hmm. to give you some context on what you're listening to here, Okay. the people talking are Radio 1 breakfast DJ Greg James and Maccabees guitarist Felix White. So Being very like cautious about crossing the road. Whenever I bring that up, I've had the reaction that you gave me last week, which is sort of, I, I would use the word indignation. Well, we've received a lot of emails about risk solidarity as well, um, including an email from Dave, who says, after listening to last week's Tellenders, I then listened to an old episode of a podcast called Cinema Swirl. Yes, the About plug. eight minutes in, the two hosts were talking about unfortunate events and accidents involving musicians. Should we have a listen? He sent the clip in. Here we go kind of vague band name terms i got really excited because i was like oh if he says the editors i saw one of them fall down some stairs once <laughs> did you really yeah but yeah. it was only like don't oh kevin's laughing the lad fall down he fell down like three stairs yeah you know and he landed on his feet but he slid i know it's right. a way here. that made him seem very comical <laughs> like if it was in a kid's movie it would have went whoop, 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 whoop. you know something like that like i think we've all got one of those stories because i was on a bus that nearly ran over the singer from the maccabees <laughs> Wow! So, what? Yeah. What? Do, do, do. <laughs> what I just said, but I'm, I'm I'm not. Obviously, I wasn't a singer in the Maccabees, so that isn't me he's referring to. No, but because I've got a very, very, very vague memory of land coming into the studio and being like a well, bus. Wow! Yeah. Right. Interesting. Now, the context to that is still quite confusing for me to understand. I think... Yeah, they're talking about cricket, but they're someone from the Maccabees and Radio 1, and... I'm just being very careful in case this clip gets played on another on another podcast. Also, there was a brief second there where I was really worried that this was like someone had ratted me out to the guy from the editors going, oh, hey, someone saw you fall <laughs> over you, mate. Hey. No, so no one tell. This was on Tailenders Podcast, which is a cricket podcast, but the guitarist from the Maccabees and Greg James off of Radio 1 are on it. And look, lads, I'll be telling you right now, yeah. it's a crick and cracket podcast. It's where I go myself for my news. It's a great time. I think Felix had mentioned he got hit by a bus or had a run-in with a bus as a child, got injected because of that. It has since been scared of needles and buses. And so someone sent in the clip of us on Cinema Swirl. Of us needling them about the bus incident. I see. And so now we're on like a proper BBC podcast, mate. We've hit the cricket market. Well, move over, Melvin, in the morning. Looks like Kevin and Sam are back on BBC primetime, baby. (laughs) So (laughs) So this was a, a complete surprise. No one told us this was going to happen. Someone just heard this on Tailenders and said, "What? What? What's going on? Why is Cinema Swirl on this?" So it's very exciting, and I've realised that the key to getting on the BBC is to mention minor run-ins with 
indie musicians. I should bring up again, I don't know just if it's just indie, but I'll bring yeah. up again that my brother did accidentally kick Bono in the back while running down <laughs> some stairs once. Do you want to put that on the world service or anything like that? I just it'll work. We'll see. I once saw Barry from the Future Heads drop a Calippo on Roker Beach. So, oh, you know. Wow. Yeah, I witnessed Alan from the Rakes actually stepping on a rake, uh, Sideshow Bob style. And that was in Strasbourg, so... I saw Phil Jupiter's accidentally break a glass once, but, mm. like, people just went way... Uh, what can I say? We need to put these things out there in, in the world in the hope that maybe... Can we retool this podcast so it's more like, instead of Cinema Sword, it's like, minor run-ins with celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> Still the same artwork, music, all that jazz, I'm sure. Also, to clear this up for Tailenders, should they be listening, and... At this point, who knows? It was Orlando, the singer from the Maccabees, and it was in Nottingham on the same night the Maccabees were due to play Rock City. So, there you go. That's different from me, where I accidentally saw someone called Nottingham got run over in Orlando, it's like <laughs> Disney World. That's different. A different story. It's so, a different yeah, story. I, just, I wanted to bring that to your attention, because that kind of... It was very unusual to see that happen, but it was a lot of fun. Now... I had hoped that maybe that would bring people to Cinema Swirl, but what happened was I told my dad about this, and now he's really into Tailenders. He oh, just listens well. to all of that. Well, isn't that good? Isn't well, isn't it well for some? We're actually giving them listeners. We're actually helping them out. So, wait, if your dad stops listening to this podcast as a result of that, like they, that's that's <laughs> we moved it over to yeah, we're gonna have to lure him back. Like <laughs> this is ridiculous. So, thank you for all your questions, queries, comments. Ashley wrote in to say, you know, are you gonna try and get on other podcasts after the recent plug on Tailenders? And Ashley, yes, we are. Yeah, uh, that's part of the grand plan. That's part of the long con to get on the air. And that's what we're about to watch. We're, about, look, we're about to get all the tools to do this because we're about to watch an elite group of con artists <laughs> get on the air of their favourite podcast. Yes. Sam, let's go do a cinema swirl. back score goals playing football <laughs> i'm kicking toward the net score goals playing for england our players are the best i know i agree that's good sam because i only found out from watching the movie there now that apparently sweet home alabama unsurprisingly a song which sings the graces and good fortune of alabama mm-hmm. and, you know the state that's got the red x <laughs> surprisingly it's got quite a lengthy controversy section on wikipedia mm. so i like your version there because it's about football which is for everyone well i can change it to another song from the film and be like how can i score for england <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you're uh, david beckham because you'd probably whiff the big goal kick like yes. he uh, infamously did in the world cup old golden balls up to his old tricks Blasting yeah, I, it over the the wall of the uh, defensive lineup of the opposition. You know what, Dave? You got off light on both selective. I'm quite honest. You got <laughs> off light, uh, very light. Uh, you were due a dust up, and you didn't get us. Well, 
Con Air, Kevin. Con Air then, Sam. Now, what was great about watching this movie for the first time in forever was that the the star-studdedness became very apparent just as the name started flashing mm-hmm. on screen. So the first four minutes of this was quite like kind of, you know, when you see the prizes on an old game show, there was a lot of oohs and ahs. And yeah. Oh. Steve Buscemi, definitely the equivalent of a midweek break in a lovely Riley Hotel or something like that. Oh, yeah, that, you, you know? you'd be glad to get Steve Buscemi in a, in a bonus round. Oh, absolutely. And the movie is kind of a love letter to the Army Rangers who, if you remember from Lord of the Rings, yeah. never leave a man behind. And they're also secretly the king of men. So these are not the Power Rangers. These are the no. Armor Rangers. No, no Power Rangers. No. <laughs> <laughs> so our boy Nick Cage, he's done with the army. He's finished his army ranger duties. So he's now clocking off, going back to civilization, I think. Back to Alabama, his sweet home where he doth lay his head. And I have struggled in any of the many Nick Cage movies we've done so far this year on Cinema Swirl mm. to call him anything other than Nick Cage. Oh, yeah. But the fact that his character's name is Cameron Poe is a real... It's, it's a, it's a very, It's a good, silly name, it is. Yeah. And there's lots of good, silly names in this movie. Plenty of them. So Cameron Poe, he is meeting up with his girlfriend, Trisha Poe. No, his wife. His wife. He's meeting up with his wife. No, no, she's actually his hummingbird. That's different. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I forgot <laughs> how things work in the Army Rangers. I know, it's much different. Look, it's what you were thinking, but with a lot more nectar. That's really yeah. it. His, his nectarous wife, uh, Trisha. She's turgid. She's working in a bar. And he comes to meet her. How do I live without you? Is playing. Well, I suspect she'll have to find out. <laughs> I'm alright, Sam. I'm alright. Yeah, they get some regular hound dog hassle from uh, these punks who yeah. are riling up the army rangers. And he's like, "Pussies like you why we lost Vietnam." Like, Didn't you see the opening package? Rangers lead the way. Yeah, right. mate. Go, go, army rangers. But so this this bloke, <laughs> he says, "I'd take a beat in half my life to get a piece of that woman." Mate, the only beating you'll be doing is beating off, alright? Because they're not having any of that, thank you very much. But they keep aggravating Nick Cage. He's just trying to have a nice time with his pregnant wife at a bar. They make a point that he's avoiding confrontation, that he's not a violent man. But he used to be. He's an army ranger. He leads the way, okay? He doesn't lead the way in fights. There is some, like, backstory of being like, you used to be a menace, but now the army's made you a good boy. And we don't... Nothing really comes of that. They put manners on him, Sam. That's what they did. They put they manners, put manners on, him. on him. But that doesn't help him when he gets into a bloody bar fight in the pouring rain outside as these jerks try and confront him and, and oh beat him Oh, God, up. this was well scary because you know yourself, Sam, mm. you're in this situation and someone's causing hassle and you think, I'll just remove myself from this situation. I don't want any hassle. I don't want any fight. Yeah. And you go outside and sure, Jesus, they all showed up and did you see the big flame of fire went up and God, they were magic as well. <laughs> and like, you know, you're going out trying to avoid the flipping fight and there they are now casting this, that and the other. Having a bar fight with a bunch of magicians by the looks of things you don't want any pyro going off right c- come on this was meant to be man to man not man to mana all right this is out of sorts i mean this this fight scene between cameron poe and these ruffians is kind of hilarious there's a oh it's so video game one of them it? pulls a knife and says take this you son of a bitch and then we get a slow motion shot of him getting an uppercut to the face <laughs> 
<laughs> throughout this fight scene, there are peppered in the sort of sound effects that I would expect from like Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares, things like that. You get that that metallic kind of shing kind of noise when the knife comes out and you know it's stuff like that also like ramsey's kitchen nightmares there are many instances of like the, the lines being very clumsily adr <laughs> like, like you're you're watching a movie that's been poorly dubbed over mm. or something where they're like how about some of this and you know there's there's a very very we saw this with face off as well where yeah. i think the late 90s whether they realized it or not these movies were like hey let's set the tone of pretty much every action game that's going to come out for yeah, the next yeah. 20 goddamn years yeah so Nick Cage ends up accidentally murdering one of these lads. They all run away apart from the one that he's murdered. And his response to this, which I I love of Nick Cage's character, is to just stand there in the rain, like looking like a sort of child who's got in trouble, and just go, Trisha! And just call for his <laughs> wife, because he doesn't know what to do. He's like, Trisha, I murdered a man! And the man's dead, and now he's in bloody trouble. Yeah, there's a big twist in this movie, which you don't see coming at the start, where there's consequences for killing someone. And Jesus, I wasn't expecting that at all. It caught me whoa, whammo! Like. I mean, for an action film, it, it does drag us back to reality. Although I say reality, in court, the judge says something about like, you're not subject to the same laws. You're, you're a special deadly weapon, so we've got special red laws in a special binder for you, so we have. So you're going away for the big stretch, because you're a right bloody nasty piece of work, mate. You should you should have just got beaten up. The defence lawyer in this, right, the defence yeah. lawyer's opening case should have literally been, come on, yeah, come on. Come on. What? They were, and I quote, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, Regular old hound dogs. Now, that seems like a nefarious customer if there ever was one, you know? (laughs) He can't help he's built to kill. (laughs) The rebuttals to that would be like, ain't nothing but a hound dog. (laughs) So, you know... (laughs) Uh, in his defence. So the, the title, Con Air, just kind of... We've seen this as something else. It might have been Face Off. I'm pretty sure it was. Doosh, blast doosh, 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 and go. It just blasts onto the screen. Con Air looks cool as fuck. Love it. Efficient title sequence there. Doosh, Con Air. Come on. Now, can I tell you something about this movie? What it does, mm. and it really, really made me kind of quite wistful for, is it really puts over strong how great prison seems to be. Because... Oh, mate, yeah. Yeah, where he's here now for this 10 stretch right he's doing yoga he's playing board games with his cellmate he's writing letters he's getting nice snacks he's making friends this is pretty much how i've been spending my lockdown this is very very good he's got duolingo on the go he's learning spanish he's having an absolutely fabulous now later on where he's doing does duolingo learn spanish and he's prison jacked and he's upside down doing super push-ups that's how i thought i'd be spending my lockdown but there was a lot more snacks and games it's more of the, uh, the pink coconut things that he's giving yeah, out. Yeah, not the, some of them not the skills nice. and abilities thing. <laughs> when do you want to talk about Nick Cage's accent in this? The kind of southern drawl that he does. Well, it kind of, it, it crops up here prominently when he, mm. during his upgrades here in the prison, he unlocks the daughter letters game mechanic. Mm. And you get these nice long scenes of him going, Dear Casey, I sell propane and propane <laughs> accessories. You know, he's he's got this southern drawl that is very obvious Nick Cage and it's Mm. kind of a little bit like his Raising Arizona voice except it's many years later and then somehow worse which (laughs) I don't understand it's like no not not, not like that not good reel it in a bit look the thing I like from Nick Cage and I've realised I like is that sudden burst of emotion but this this drawl is so monotone 
when he's talking about most things, apart from... I'm going home! I'm going home, sir! (laughs) His mate, Baby O, who... We don't know what Baby O did, but he's also in prison with Nick Cage. They've become fast friends. But you know what, Sam? He's all right by me, because pretty much all the people who Nick Cage trusts, you know, are solid blokes. Yeah, and Baby O's diabetic, so I think he's fine. I think that's that's what we get. A baddie wouldn't... I mean, you name me one baddie who happens to have diabetes. I don't think it's ever happened. A diabetic baddie. It's Hollywood's last taboo, Sam, is what it is. If Bond runs out of ideas, you could just have a, a villain whose gimmick is, I've got diabetes, and it's really rubbish. But I, I'm angry about it. I mean, that could get into the... If the new Bond, as we're going to be doing a reverse swerve, mm. is anything like I think it will be, it will be immersed in the absolute mire of the mundane reality of Grounded. modern living. Grounded. So it, it'll be like, you know, Mr. Bond, I have nothing to lose. I've recently discovered I'm lactose intolerant. I can no longer enjoy my favourite things. And quite frankly, neither shall you. Like living! Da-da-da. And then there's quips... And yep. loads of dry martinis shaken, not stirred. You've basically got it. So Cameron Poe, he's coming to the end of his stretch. He's due for parole. He's, he's on his way out. But in order to get out of being in prison, he's got to transfer to a different prison to then walk out of that prison door, right? It's, look, like they classically, it was said in The Wire by Avon Barksdale, you only do two days when you go into the joint. The day you come in and the day when you're going out and they put you on a plane to go to the other place... There's a bit of a layover, but then you get out. That's the only that that's the second day is of is quite a hectic day. A lot of travel, yes. Yes. His mate's coming with him on the plane. Baby O's coming with him, but not to be released. He's just being transferred to a different prison. I like the big plane which is called the jailbird. That was very good. Perfect. I like name that. For it there. The only issue was that when they had the little speech about this is the jailbird. It's one of the most incredibly large planes that has ever been concocted by U.S. Marine Corps. It really should have been given by Tommy Lee Jones. I feel that was money yeah. on the table. They're yep. not doing that. One second. I just need to put down. A little kitchen towel, spill some okay, water. Sure. No problem. Enter the suit and tie bullshit piece of crap of this movie, John Cusack, aka Vince Larkin. Larkin about in his fucking suit and tie, mate. What's he doing? Pushing pencils, yeah? Is this a 90s thing where suits were just like big? Because I feel like his, he, it looks like he's wearing his dad's suit. It's a little too baggy on him. I think the late 90s were a golden era for bad big suits. Before suits got shiny, they got big, you know? I think it was like when David Byrne and Talking Heads parodied big suits mm. they felt like the suit industry kind of bit back a little bit going we'll show you some fucking big suits <laughs> you want to see some big suits but before that was ultimately their undoing and had to go back to very small shiny suits instead in the early noughties have you watched the last dance about michael jordan and the chicago bulls in the 90s you know i'm always slinging ball sam but yeah. the one ball that i'm singing it's called a football okay not a sure basket brackets handball so i have not seen that but i mean michael jordan wears some massive <laughs> suits in that they just Oh, does he? Huge. He's a a big bloke, but his suits are just like, ah, I love it. I I love a big suit, and John Cusack is wearing a slightly too big suit here. I'm not going to lie, Sam, you've not really sold me on the series with that. Michael Jordan, he's got a big suit. That's... (laughs) That's all you need. No, it, it is brilliant. It is a very good documentary. I'm sure. So there's a bunch of criminals getting piled onto a plane, but as well as that, there is a DEA undercover operation going on. Yeah, we get introduced to Col Meany, who yeah. is the DEA guy and also a real piece of fucking work. He he is being a meanie because he he's so grumpy and he has a go at John Cusack for 
talking with big words and knowing things, really. Ah, oh. uh, oh, get a load of you, dictionary boy. We're actually more, uh, more like thesaurus boy. Ah, oh, these two are like chalk and cheese. They don't mix, and you shouldn't eat the chalk. No, absolutely not. Don't eat Colomini, but if you must eat anyone, eat John Cusack, he's softest. Don't draw with cheese, neither. You know? No. It, it, oh, God. It was like nails on a cheese board, Sam. It was absolutely <laughs> awful. <laughs> so, I like when all the convicts are showing up that they get entrance music. It's like, here's some real pieces of fucking work. It's like, here comes the bus with Billy Bedlam and Diamond Dog. This is fucking Suicide Squad. This is what this is the same no, thing happening. Don't, don't spray this, this movie with the effluent of that shit. No way. This is so much better. Okay, list of prisoners on board. We've got Billy Bedlam, a mass, mass murderer. murderer. Diamond Dog. Who, they do a very bad job of, like, making me anything other than sympathetic. Like, he's a black activist, and when his, his goals weren't met, he was put in prison where he wrote his, uh, you know, his piece through a diamond's eye. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then he's like, they want Denzel to play him in the Hollywood movie, because you know Hollywood, those bastards. Because it's the 90s, and, you know, we're, this, we're making reference. It's meta, mate. It's meta. All right. Very meta. Very meta. Cyrus the Virus, played by John Malkovich who brags that he's killed more men than cancer. Jeez Louise. He's referred to as a poster child for the criminally insane. Yes, because he's a boffin as well as being a murderer, which is Mm. like, you know, all right, if you're a murderer or whatever, but if you're a big fucking know-it-all as well, you know, oh, that really gets me going now. I've got time for those silly murderers, but those clever ones, uh, not having it. Some more celebrity prisoners. Mm -hmm. Dave the Minefield Chappelle. (laughs) Yeah, Dave Chappelle's in this, which I, yeah. I, I didn't know. That's a nice he, little... He apparently improved most of his lines about this. Okay. That's pretty much all I'll say on Dave Chappelle. <laughs> uh, and also Cameron Poe, Nick Cage, is coming on, but John Cusack's like, who's this guy? He's a fucking nobody jerk-off. Don't care about this guy. He's not going to be significant at all to this. You should pay attention to anyone who resembles our Lord Jesus Christ, which he does very heavily here. Now, and I'm saying the same way that if your grilled cheese sandwich resembles Christ, maybe take... A second thought before the second or third bite. Yeah, sure. But yeah. they shouldn't, they didn't judge this book by its very holy looking cover because he's got the long flowing mane. He's had a bit of an agony in the garden now. Yeah. He's a little bit, he, he has that look about him. He's Does. very, very Christ like in this movie. He is. I think that's the role Nick Cage might have been <laughs> born to play. He may have been. He Our may Lord have and Savior been. Jesus Christ. Uh, the, the main guard on the plane does a big speech where he's like kind of racist and horrible and talks about testicles being his personal. Personal property if you do bad things. Mama, we got us some genuine celebrities on board here. Yeah. I, I like as well when they're bringing them all on board that they're, they're getting over the fact that there's so many prisoners on here that they need loads of extra things. So you get to see a big, thick, heavy sheet of handcuffs. Mm. Like if handcuffs were an item in Minecraft, they come with this big block that you can like chip away Take at. Yourself and off the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we don't feel bad about him when he gets beaten up. I think maybe killed later. I can't remember. But this plane is very strict, Sam. Like, very strict. Like, no phones or anything. Like No, <laughs> no, no misbehaving. Come on, guys. Sit down. Don't cause a ruckus. We've got uh, Danny Trejo as Johnny23, a rapist who commemorates 
to his crimes by tattooing himself. F- I fucking hell, these are like almost comically upsettingly bad criminals, right? That's the whole thing we've got here. This just a you know, these are all bad guys. Some bad dudes. And Danny Trejo's Animal Crossing village, you can you can visit that now, I believe, online. Is he playing Animal Crossing? Is that real? Yeah. Ah. That's nice. I'm, much, I'm happier that Danny Trejo's doing it and not Johnny 23. Like, no, Because you know, no. he's a character who's as genuinely upsetting as he is surprisingly short. <laughs> yes. And one, one of John Malkovich as Cyrus, his character traits is that he, he hates rapists. So, you know, a bit of rough with the smooth. He is a murderer, but he, he doesn't like those bloody rapists. So, you know. I mean, at, at least he is a mass murdering psychopath whose values aren't aligned with the viewing audiences, you know? He's got a bit of a moral compass, but there's, there were some issues with the magnets involved, is what I would say. There's all sorts going on here, Sam, yeah. because Cyrus is fiddling around, Diamond mm. Dog's fiddling around, pinballs fiddling around they're all fiddling and diddling back there well tonight they'll be escaping the plain cell block while opting to forgo the jailhouse rock because uh tonight's going to be a broken up jail a jailbreak as it's also known yes in the sky jailbreak in the sky guys this is revolutionary i love that 1990s Alarm, oh, like, alarm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the way this works is that Dave Chappelle, he's got like lighter fluid and a match swallowed in his stomach that he manages to regurgitate and set a man on fire in order to cause a distraction. Everyone's got pins and they're, sta- they're unlocking things and they're running around and it's chaos. It's Bedlam. It's not Billy Bedlam, but he's there as well. And... They're out. The prisoners are out. It's gone crazy. Cyrus has got a gun. Yeah. Cyrus also has the title of the movie, which is very powerful to reveal at this point. Uh, also, Con Air is a, is a long-established nickname for like these types of planes uh. anyway. So yeah, there you go. I'm not sure if they, if Aircon may have even preceded, it may have preceded air conditioning mm. as a thing. Oh, okay. So because he breaks into the cockpit, he's in control. He's like, "I'll bloody kill you if you don't fly where we want to fly." And he says, "Welcome to Con Air." I was thinking, does does he think that it's a pun? Does John Malkovich think it's a pun? Does his character think it's a pun? Who is it a pun? Is it one of those things where it's all right that certain very high-profile stand-up comedians are allowed to steal jokes of other people because there's like a phrase where it's like a fugue state or something like that, mm. where like I've got a PR company, so I'm allowed to steal jokes, and that's why it happened to be that I wrote a very similar joke to that person long after they originally wrote it. Where, it might be one of those situations, Sam. Where is the origin of Conair? Maybe it was never a, a pun. There was no pun intended. The pun yeah, has no, been retroactive. No pun intended, yeah. I'll tell you what, though, Sam. It's a moot point because the inmates are running the asylum and the asylum happens to be flying in the sky. And could you imagine that? Blooming buildings flying. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, this, this is kind of what I predicted the film would be about, really, is that there is a pr- plane full of prisoners and it all goes wrong. And so far, you know, one for one here, I'm nailing it in terms of the plot. I didn't have any more predictions aside from that, but that is basically the plot of the movie. I would have made a prediction where they're all like, let's get the peanuts, hey! And like, you know, <laughs> there's a big sack where they cut it open, they're like filling their boots, like, and then there's a scene where they're all a bit too full. The DEA agent decides now's the time to reveal himself, you know, when the odds are completely stacked oh, against God. him. Yeah. And he dives to the dirtiest fucking bass. It's so... The music in this thing is so fucking brilliant. It's brilliant. It's like rubbish, but like good, good rubbish. It's fucking 
great. It has that kind of like Sega Mega Drive butt yes. rock title yes. music. Like, yes, yes, yes. Now, the prisoner's plan here, I just want to check. The plan is to just go to a non-extradition country and then be fine, and presumably there'll be sexy girls and tasty drinks. It just seems a little bit short-sighted, this plan, to just go somewhere where you can't be extradited and then live. All right, you've had a drink with a little umbrella in it before, right? I have, yeah. Oh, it's great. All right, I, I just figured like that would be self-explanatory in itself. Okay, like, what, yeah. what's, what's the issue here? I'm sorry. Okay, so Mr. Undercover, he's in trouble here. He's got killed. Nick's tried to defuse that situation, but it doesn't happen. And he just does like a little head turn, like, oh, no, I, oh, I fucked it. His, his quiet demeanour is not very cagey. No, this is the least Nick Cagey Cage I think Mm. that we've seen, given that he's playing obviously not just himself because he has to do at least a facsimile of a bit of a voice. And he is, yeah, he's meant to be the level-headed, cool customer. And it's not like you expect where he's a level-headed, cool customer and then all of a sudden it's like, you've done it now, and he becomes this total badass. It's not. He is this, like, saintly, gracious, good guy throughout the whole piece. Yeah, I mean, he also prevented Johnny the rapist man from being a rapist to the only female guard on board who had had also bonded with Cameron Poe because he's got that he got that kid you did it for my, her my daughter you know uh, yeah what's well, daughter my, fucking daughter my my, do- my daughter <laughs> my daughter <laughs> yeah. i love you my daughter so he's it, it, throughout this whole film he's trying to protect his mate baby o who needs insulin and the female guard whose name is only, i think only revealed at the end or not real very much Sally. Why, pray tell, is he trying so hard to get Baby O his insulin? Because the army rangers never leave a man behind! Never leave a man behind. Unless they tried to take the ring from the little one. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to take it from Frodo. And then you're like, right, you're fucking done, yeah? You're done. I'm so mad at you, I'm going to bury you on a waterfall, yeah? (laughs) Off you pop. And you don't even get to keep your commemorative photo we took when you go over the edge. <laughs> That's mine now. So, Kevin, in the aftermath of this stuff where the DEA man tries to get control of the situation, uh, people get shot, people get popped, it's all chaos. And they realise that when they... Th- and the plan is still to land... Carson City, baby! ...on board some new prisoners and swap some old ones. But Dave Chappelle is wandering around trying to find the prisoners who need to be swapped, and they're all dead. So they need some new people to swap in. And one of Dave Chappelle's lines is that, you know, we're we're down three prisoners and they're all dead. Or as we say in Ebonics... We be fucked, which I mean, come on, that's that's pretty that's pretty good going. I I like that. I will te- I will tentatively say good job, Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Uh, so, baby, O volunteers to. Swap. That wasn't a laugh. That was an affirmative noise. I can confirm that I have registered that that happens. Uh, so, baby, O volunteers to be swapped along with Nick Cage. But the problem is, the prisoners they're expecting are white, so he's not allowed to do it because they're going to be like, oh, that's not a white bloke. So they've got Nick, another old white man, and they need one more. Cyrus suggests the pilot. They're going to... The pilot of the plane, they're going to send him out as a fake prisoner to trick him. But they're gagging all these fake prisoners so they don't squeal. Because they claim to them when they're taking them off that they're spitters and shitters. So yeah. they have to gag them and such. But that that ruins Nick's plan. His, his plan was to squeal. So he's like... No, I want, I want to stay on board this. I've changed my mind. I want to stay on board the plane. I will find a way to intravenously <laughs> inject that 
insulin into you, baby Oh, The reason why I want to stay is uh, I'm excited for a naked party freak and a little umbrella drink. Because... <laughs> It's so unconvincing that he's going to be the sort of guy who wants I'm that I'm sorry, life. I lied. The only little umbrella I want is the one held by my <laughs> daughter when we go walking and it happens to be raining. Oh, that's, that's cute. He does have a strategy here. What he does is he bundles a wire that he found on the DA agent, like a recorder, onto one of the guards who's being pushed off as a fake criminal right this that this mm. sounds more complicated than it is because it is very simple but it, he's just put this recorder on he throws an item that makes a guard go huh yeah, and yeah. That, that, that's what happens <laughs> yes that, that is exactly what happens he's leaving little breadcrumbs to try and be like hey some, something's up here guys he's trying to get the plane staying on the ground so they can all get off and live their lives something's up in cyrus's prison cell as well which is really crumbly and made of kind of dried feta or some stuff <laughs> It's really, it's, it's, it's horrible. So they're, they're landing the plane on Tatooine. We get fun new DLC characters, such mm-hmm. as the crazy pilot and Sally Can't Dance, which is firmly filed under the good for 1997 <laughs> representation category. Yeah, we, we get t- Tom Friendly from Lost is the pilot of the plane. There were oh, crim- that's criminal who that pilots. is. is yes, it? but he's called Swamp Thing here. Kevin, it's absolutely absurd that this plan is working, by the way. The, the, uh, like they managed to disguise the whole trade-off thing because there's a sandstorm. There's a Daruga. It's a sandstorm. But it's it's so convenient that they've got a prisoner in the swamp thing who can fly a plane. Was that planned? It is planned because in the cell. But how do they know that they? They found all the plans in the cell. There was loads of plans. They were planning for all sorts of things. And there's a bit with like, quick decipher Cyrus's cipher, and they have to quickly do that and. Then there's a bomb which blows all up before we can really oh. figure out the extent to which he has planned things. But it seems to be that the transfer was planned, and that later on, then the lion having another plane for him. That is also part of the plan. Kevin, that bomb, that rigged booby trap bomb in the cell that John Cusack says, don't touch anything else, and his mates just open it anyway and get kaboomed. It was made from glow sticks in a biscuit tin, from what I could tell. <laughs> Incredible. I, That's what that I love anarchist it. cookbook. You can rustle together something with barely anything in the store cupboard. It's seems very very good wonderful i mean i was trying at this point to figure out what in god's name john cusack's actual job is because he spends the vast majority of this movie on a phone desperately disagreeing with someone in various mm. states of like of, of perspiration he's meant to be working for marshall transfer services like at the start it's like get low this wise guy in his sandals he's in charge of some admin bogus bullshit but he's here in a prison inspecting cells later on he's fucking action man i don't know what the fuck his job description he's is just kind of generic audience surrogate investigative figure right he's talk just- to your shop steward larkin is all i'm <laughs> saying because you should be getting remunerated for a lot of this extra work when that bomb goes off mm-hmm. in the cell yeah sam please if i ever happen to be in your vicinity and i gurn right before i die in a ball of glory and fire don't tell anyone that i go and then I oh my god they made a stupid face and then they died I mean I wouldn't show up to that funeral you know honestly I'd be too embarrassed for him (laughs) 
be mortified. So, bomb's gone off, but Dave Chappelle has been sent off the plane to go and hide a little gizmo that's taken from the plane. That is the transponder that tracks the plane. He hides it on, like, a tourist plane, but he gets stuck at the airfield flirting with a nice lady. While that's all kind of going off, there's a... One of these lads is, like, proper Hannibal lectured up. He's being wheeled towards the plane now, and it's Garland Green. What a fucking Marvel name that is. Yeah, Garland, Garland Green. Green with Betty Branch and J. Jonah Jameson. Like, I can't recall if mm. Mr. Buscemi has found his way onto the podcast before. He has in Big Lebowski. Ah! But, but I don't think anything else. But look, as a creepy serial killer that even the baddest prisoners are afraid of, I think Steve Buscemi is perfectly cast. <laughs> like he does. He's expertly cast. It's almost too easy for him. Like when you see him in this performance, it's like he's looking at you going, can you fucking believe this? I'm literally, I'm literally doing nothing. And look how comfy my costume is as well. This is fucking great. Like what yeah. a day at the office for Steve. Like So we've got all of our prisoners loaded onto the plane. The hidden wire that Nick put on one of the cops has been discovered but it all keeps going but the cops are onto them so they're they're kind of it's, it's all going off here the cops are coming after him Dave Chappelle's like oh no I got I got left behind ah there's all this arguing going on though because you got you got the DEA and the mayor on their ass and you got mm-hmm. the marshals we get phrases like this situation needs to get unfucked right now which is very good <laughs> yes and also a really funny phrase that I desperately want to know we can put this alongside Busman's holiday but when yeah. Colin Meany goes you got a real Keystone Cop organization going on here. You know that Larkin? I'm like, Keystone Cops? What is that? Please tell me more. I have no idea. But I I love the fact that Cusack has to reveal, you know, to the men in charge that prisoners have taken over the prison plane. And I was reminded of that brass eye thing of like, this is the one thing that we didn't want to happen. <laughs> like, it's literally just been completely taken <laughs> over. Ah, here we go. Okay. The Keystone Cops, often spelled Keystone Cops with a K, like they're Kremlins, mm. are fictional, humorously incompetent policemen featured in the silent slapstick between 1912 and 17. But there we go. There you go. So the plane manages to make it into the sky. Dave Chappelle's kind of running alongside the plane. We see a shot of him from the window looking out like ah and swearing at the thing and then doing like a pratfall and falling over it's all funny like he's he's got left hilarious i later found out that he died so it it, but you wouldn't tell that from like the fact that he just goes oh i've fallen over but he gets run over by the plane and caught up in the landing gear or something i don't know what happens there uh, he gets mangled and tangled is what happens here mangled and tangled and you know cameron's kind of got to pick his battles now they're on the plane it's up in Mm. the air his his wife and child have been told mrs poe your husband is in Con Air. And they're like, ah, they're really upset about that. But, you know, he has to pick his battles now. So mm. Poe takes a mode to sow some aggro with Diamond Doge. Uh, he, he's kind of like, why you trust John Malkovich? Have you seen being John Malkovich? What's going on in that guy's head, you know? So, he, yeah, he is trying to, like, sow some discontent in order to... He's just trying to find any way to save the day and get the plane back under control, right? I love, love, love when, at this time, the cops as well are, like, kind of... They have figured out that he's an ally, essentially. Yeah. And then you've got Larkin desperately trying to be like, come on, he's obviously on our side. Look at look at the conditions of his arrest. He fought a guy in a bar fight and he... Mur- look, anyone could murder any... Anyone could do... A, anyone could murder. Mm-hmm. Any... Anyone could do a murder. That we've all been there, right? Yeah, Anyone has. Yeah. I Anyone mean, we've all could be a murder. Look, we all have. You have. We. You. you have you? <laughs> 
Have we all murdered? We're all murderers here. But despite the fact that like this guy could be an ally, there's still fierce debate between him and Colmini saying like, ah, oh, no, let's just fucking shoot it down and kill them all. It's yeah, gonna be fine. he wants to load up the fucking shellicopter and go there and give him a new one, like both barrels, boom. So they sneak down into the landing gear. Cameron's sent down into the landing gear to fix it because it's been left down the whole time and we see that Dave Chappelle's corpse is caught in the landing gear. I say Dave Chappelle's corpse, I mean one of the worst like weird fake like prop corpses I've ever seen in a film. I don't know why they couldn't have like Dave Chappelle lying there for a bit and then just use the dummy when they throw it out of the thing but obviously just he'd gone for lunch at that point that was done at that point yeah. like, you know so we got a fabulous fabulous scene of someone like ah, I can't believe I got bird shit on my car can, oh yes can, can you believe it me a retired Air Force general no doubt and then there's a body fall on set to theme from a summer place, mm. which is probably the silliest moment in the movie. Oh, it's probably like, stupid. This movie kind of as you, we watch a lot of these action movies and I think we kind of forget that in the late 90s a lot of action movies decided to just be full on tongue in cheek like here's a really funny bit and very I don't think that happened as often in Arnie movies like he kind of made inexplicable funny moments yeah but a lot of these ones that we've watched recently it feels like they're like let's pull the fucking comedy lever as hard as possible this is big daft and so the reason why that corpse gets pushed out of the plane is it kind of get it out of the way but also Nick's written a little message on it right he said like oh we're going to this airport we're not going where we'd say we're on the transponder but you got to remember kevin this was back in the 90s this was before whatsapp if you wanted to send a message exactly to john cusack you had to write it on a corpse and, and the only reason he was able to do that is because he's gotten in prison so proficient at letter writing mm. that yes. he can whip up a letter on any old... You give him anything, he'll have a letter for you in 10 seconds. Dead body, doesn't matter, he's got his canvas. The handwriting on that vest was fabulous. He's had, it he's was. had a lot of practice. Yeah. I would have made a dog's dinner of that, is what would have happened. <laughs> Billy Bedlam is suspicious of Cameron Poe. He's like, ah, you you said you were going to go away for a long time, but I don't know what... I didn't see you in this block. And then we get Steve Buscemi as serial killer Garland Green doing some kind of armchair psychoanalysis which is all, all of his dialogue is just like oh he ah his his mum oh, didn't hold him enough it's deep li- though it's, it's deep sam listen to this right listen to this okay. from the so-called sociopath okay yeah maybe you're all the mad ones huh how about <laughs> that <laughs> it, it is literally like Pretty that, much like, yeah uh, it, he has got the fucking treaties of a 12 year old who's been left in the back of a classroom and a slightly too big pencil case on which to jot his thoughts yes this man's got some deep shit crawling in his veins if you know what I'm saying like so John Cusack he's chatting to Cameron Poe's wife and daughter trying to figure out why why would he stay on that plane why is he such a hero like couldn't they even just leave one man behind like <laughs> I mean the Rangers are what I'm guessing second or third in is that usually it <laughs> but, but during this meeting it's like why what's your husband's deal he gets a call to say uh, oh John Cusack mate there's a message for you here on a corpse yes it is on a corpse but it is for you do you want me to read it and so he now learns that they're going to this airport, not going where the transponder is saying. He relays this information to Colmini. Shut up! And Colmini's like, ah, no, there's nothing. He still follows the fucking tourist plane. He doesn't listen to the corpse. Listen to the corpse. Listen to the corpse, right? Yeah. Listen to your corpses. That's a very important takeaway from here, yeah. you know? So... 
Poe has a fist fight with Billy Bedlam, and it's quite similar to a fist fight we've seen before in the previous episode, mm. Commando, in that it's taking place in a steamy gasworks. Yes. And it also ends with someone being stabbed through the chest Pipe by a gas. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But instead of saying, let off some steam, we get, why couldn't you just put the bunny in the Back box? In the box. Yeah. Uh, so the, the reason why that fight happens is Billy Bedlam discovers Cameron's personal stuff, including the bunny and the letter saying, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see my daddy. Uh, you know, I'm on parole. I'm good. Yeah, Sam, so that- as, as a taller gentleman now, a cramped mm. fight like that, it literally oh. sounds like a nightmare. That you're back. It would do your back in, just having to fight with someone while hunched over. I don't like and, that. You know, you'd be collecting gas, you'd swing and fart at the same time jesus when i'm fighting which often happens i want to maintain good posture exactly i don't think that's possible well that's not me i'm dirty when i'm fighting i'm farting that's me (laughs) boom 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 scatter grenades yeah that's your secret weapon yeah that's (laughs) that's how you get but yeah the whole like put the bunny back in the box is it's delivered incredibly like badly I'm begging you to put the bunny in the box so the DEA they catch up to the plane that's got the tracker in and obviously it's it's the wrong plane and there's an old lady like oh hi what's going on god damn it Ah, John Cusack told you he already told you (laughs) and he's had to drive very fast indeed now in a souped up motor to get there the motor belonging to Mr to grumpy DEA with the license plate as kicker because it's spelt with two Z's. Hey, you ask me no questions, I'll tell you no lies. The shots of John Cusack driving in a fast car through the desert are very funny, very oh, silly, yeah. like just properly what you expect. Of like, and I like that they cut to him changing gear so the audience could be like, Did you, were you, it was good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was good, smooth gear change there now, you know, for the drivers in the audience. Yes, uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought I was coming here just getting some souped-up planes and jets. I didn't know there'd be motors at the dinner table. Yeah, boy, yeah, fast cars, mate. This is like when you've got a pizza and someone's brought along some burgers on the side for dipping. <laughs> Do you remember? It was it Pizza Hut who did the the pizza yep. with the little burgers in it around the side? How the you gonna see? He, he pitched that with a straight face. Let me tell you. <laughs> I love a burger. I love a pizza. No likey, no lighty. Put them together. Come on. Top I, gear. I, that was after I pitched them. I fell into a burning ring of burgers. <laughs> <laughs> and they still, they refused this. Steve Buscemi notices that Billy Badlam is probably dead down there. He's more, more like Dilly Deadlam, am I right? <laughs> He talks about how, for some people like him, killing people is exciting. And Poe's like, "Hey, man, you're you're insane." And he's like, "What? What if the real insane people are the ones working in an office and retiring?" So it's re- it's real like Whoa. we we live in a society type shit here coming from Steve Buscemi. Wake up, sheeple! And one of the most gruesome things that he says in his kind of like laissez-faire style, Steve Buscemi here is that one girl I drove through three states wearing her head as a hat. Now that's gruesome. That you know drives home the fact that he's a fucking creepy serial killer. Yeah, but you had to have a good think about that as well, right? But I don't know the ergonomics of how yeah. you do it. How would you put wear wear a head as a hat? Now I had some friends back in the day who used to be able. To wear a shoe as a hat, and I, I, you would have said no, no. And I'm not yeah. even. I'm talking like a cloth shoe as well, like a, a converse. Right. You could style it, and you know, that's. And I would have thought no way, but I, I was thinking there, even no, with that knowledge in my head, that shoes yeah. can become hats. I'm like, but heads becoming hats. I didn't think it was possible, and I was like, come on, mate. Maybe he's just bragging and pretending, like he's I, I 
put a, he- a head on my head as a hat. You know what it is? It's probably much like, again, like James Bond with his, his little pate parcel in the last episode, isn't it? Where he's making out like it's no big deal, but he did wear it as a hat, Sam. What you didn't know was the day he spent slowly crafting... That would take time to make a hat carving, out of a head. you know? Yeah. I've done the sections. you got to go layer by layer of that epidermal, you know? <laughs> you got to go layer by layer. So Cusack has made it to the airfield... Where the plane graveyard. The plane graveyard. This was such an evil plane graveyard. I thought like little planes were going to be like be prepared, <laughs> shit like that. So the the prison plane is landing just as a little baby plane is landing the other way. What a what a calamity. Yeah, this this doesn't go well. This starts off as a Windows ninety five flight simulator crash landing. <laughs> it ends up turning into a Grand Theft Auto five crash landing. The second one a lot more skids. I love the sequence of the plane kind of taxiing around knocking things over narrowly avoiding colliding with a big tanker of propane Ooh. and then obviously camera propane propane I like that <laughs> I can't I can't do the accent, but neither can Nick Cage. That reassures me in a way. Now that the plane has landed, it is time for me to assume my final form, which is him taking off that Oof. dusty old top, and Oof. he's got a, a smooth tank underneath. Ah, that jeans and a vest, that kind of Dean Ambrose look. <laughs> yeah, he can roll them tanks into my square any day, if you ask me, right? <laughs> he's got his shirt off. It's vest time. Now, there's supposed to be a transfer plane for these criminals, but it's not there. There's a barely introduced, like, drug lords type guy who's supposed to be responsible for sorting this out. He's like an informant, high-level guy, something or other, yeah. So Nick's on his way to try and find some insulin, I think? No, he, they've got the insulin, now they need to find an a injectable needle. for it. Right, and yeah, yeah. We got we got cops en route with yes. army. It's all happening. But they can see them in the distance. But they're like, oh, that'll take a good, like, 10, 20 minutes for them to come here. So they've got time to plan their whole thing, lay out, like, some some props on the floor to be like, here's what we're going to do, here's our plan for shooting these cops. Yeah. And Hang them that a- up in your maths classroom. <laughs> Trejo looking and estimating with his skills and doing a quick dad silly triangle to figure out how long it'll take him to get there. That's yeah. some... Not all scientists wear white coats. No. Some of them are Danny Trejo and have a really horrifying rap sheet in this movie. They're going to trap the cops, you know, box them in, and that's going to be how they get them. Poe is also like, he tries to save some of the cops that have, have been, you know, the guards that have been bound up. He's like, oh, they're our only leverage. Uh, he runs off somewhere, gets caught by the lads with the private drug jet. Right. Yeah. And a, a, a solid gag in this, and there's a few, but the, the solid gag here was he's, he's telling these guys like, hey, if you shoot me, 20 angry prisoners over there are going to hear it. So the lad just puts a silencer on. Which I mean, that, <laughs> come on, that's... Oh, it's very, very good. good. Very good. Who's here to save him? Oh, it's only John Cusack. Larking about as usual. Who doesn't actually do any of the saving. He just kind of goes, freeze. And then Nick Cage does all the beating up. It's like James Bond when he's outside that restaurant, I think, and he, he's in trouble. But he manages to take care of it himself. But someone's there to, to but witness someone is there to, yes. Confirm yeah, yeah. the heroism that he's just seen. And there's a great line here where after he explains the Ranger Code and why he's, he's stu- held back, yep. he then says... I'm going to go save the fucking day. It's a great line. It is. Great line. The plane's being tugged by a tractor. Petition to change the name of a tractor to a tugger. I think that. Or a land tug. <laughs> I like land tugger. Land tugger. Like land tugger. Yeah. I like land tugger. The scape jet gets 
some sneaky customers zipping off thinking they're going to make away without Cyrus or any of the final bosses. Yeah. It gets kablamoed. They're all like hung up and there's loads of like fuel everywhere. They're like, Cyrus, please, <sighs> Cyrus. And then in a fucking beautiful, very mm. smart mm. bit of dialogue, he goes, Cy and Nara. Which, you know, he, he flicks a, a lit cigarette, burns him alive, boom. Now, in, in real life, that would have been extremely convenient to get him saying sigh, so you've got just enough time to be like, Anara. I think if you'd have tried to do that, if you tried to sync that up in a real conversation, as someone would say, if you even if your name was Cyrus or Simon or something like that. <laughs> so it wouldn't work so perfectly, but that's proper like action movie wonderful bullshit that I love. That was it is fabulous the stuff. Best type of bullshit. I don't think we've actually given him his credit yet, but uh John Malkovich chewing the scenery just the right level for like for this movie. It is so nice to finally on this podcast with you get mm. someone who is a mustache twirling ham of an actor and it's appropriate and the movie's actually fun. <laughs> well because it's always like this like island of sweet ham that's floating off yeah. in this shit storm that we have to watch and here we go we've got fucking cyrus who is the silliest cheesiest character in the best role ever <laughs> while all of this calamity is going off right steve buscemi has just found a little girl in a back garden and the, the, he's singing he's got the whole world in his it's very creepy I don't we like football. it we got in we got football it's really creepy and disturbed me and I didn't like it and it's meant to put you on edge and that kind of thing it turns out it was fine and they just had a nice little sing-song. Turns it was out okay. Sam was actually the insane one. Uh, <laughs> you think about it, he watched a movie and took notes and then talked about it. It was insane, insane of me to think that a serial killer would murder a child. Because that's what—that's the insane thing to do. Or maybe you shouldn't judge books by their covers, Sam. That's the important lesson here. True. Yeah. But also the, the, like, the contents of the book lists many murders it does so, you know, and I, a tall tales of hat wearing as well yeah so i mean I, i'm judging it partly by the contents of the book the cover does it doesn't look great but i've read the blurb and i've read the contents and i'm like oh. and, and don't be like oh you mean a tail that is tall because when you're wearing a hat that is a head you'd be quite no it's not it, it's just in that i don't think it happened i think it's bullshit the plan to trap the cops in works we get kaboom cops are trapped big bangs gunfire everywhere Blam Blamo, blamo, blamo. Like, there's enough explosions that all of the principal cast get to walk away from them individually without looking at them. Like, there's there's plenty to go around. Uh, you yeah. all get one. I can't really, like, explain the insanity of this, but it is just blasts and booms right. and orange. Imagine everywhere. a bottle of LucasAid being shook up real fizzy, and now it's right in your eyes. It just, ah! it just looks like that. Uh, Nick's found the needle, so he there's a guitar solo as he runs through flames and explosions Fucking to get dream back to his mate. Yeah, you know what I hate? Stuff. I hate this shit. If I'm ever in a dire need, don't send any fucking dreamboat to come save me because they'll only run back in slow motion and take for fucking ever. Yeah. Come on, there's a man dying. There's baby out on the floor like, ah, I need my insulin. Johnny Rapist is back in the plane to do some raping on that. God, oh God. But guess who's here just in time to solve both of those situations? It's Nicolas Cage 
stage with his vest on, his long flowing hair. Biff, biff, biff. Take that, you fucking rapist. Get out of yeah, here. Yeah, 1997's here to stop the rapists and then, like, let the victims spit on them and go, yeah. And that's kind of, that's justice in of itself, isn't sure. it? Sure. Like, so, yeah. That's fine. So, <laughs> Nick Cage also, like, ties up the plane. He does, he anchors it. Yeah, he anchors the plane. I've heard of mooring a boat, but mooring a plane? That's that's like something Roger Moore would come up with. That's outside the box thinking. As the plane is, like, trying to take off again, Cyrus and Diamond Dog just shoot at, you know, the anchor thing here. But then it gets caught on the fancy car. The car is now being dragged behind the plane and looks like it's floating. And then J.K. Rowling's like, oh, hang on. (laughs) Another another (laughs) unoriginal idea for me to steal. (laughs) Ooh. Ooh, (laughs) fuck off, yeah? Come on now. And uh, Poe says, On any other day, that might seem strange. But today (laughs) has been a pretty unusual day. Sam, this movie has a near-perfect smash-to-smile ratio. And I've mentioned previous episodes about blabrosque levels of calamity where I think Mm. almost you can become numb to it, where I find a lot of movies where there's a lot of smashing going on. Like, I watched Bumblebee recently, and there was a moment or two in there where I was like, I just almost want to turn it down because there's too much smashing for me. But every smash got a big smile on my face. And I'm not even a serious thing because they're all legitimate tactile smashes but like when the car is then smashed from the plane on the big hook into the tower at a big boom oh yeah a, a thing i love is a, a car falling down and crumpling as it like lands off it on on its front or on its back and it just kind of mushes down into a slightly smaller more compact car a, a nice shot of the of the vanity plate at the end like very look, satisfying look as got kicked now <laughs> And so the prisoners are like, yeah, we got away. Sweet Home Alabama is playing. I don't know how they've got a a radio playing songs on this plane, but it doesn't matter. They're dancing around, having a good time. Steve Buscemi is like, it's ironic that they're playing this because the people who sang this song died in a play. Oh, shut up, Steve Buscemi. Yeah, and literally, as soon as he said that, I had subtitles on for this. And this is the first time I watched the movie with subtitles. Mm. And the first time I became aware that there's a really dodgy, dodgy, dodgy verse in Sweet Home Alabama where it's like, I don't care about Watergate the Vietnam War is very just I don't know about no civil rights it's so fucked Uh. it's so wrong it yeah. is no naughty song. You don't get that riff anymore. Now it's Werewolves of London by Warren Zevon, and that's the end of that. <laughs> what oh, Cyrus has figured out that there is a traitor on board, and he threatens to shoot. Sally, I think Sally the female guard. And he also threatens the bunny at one point as well. Yeah, I'm going to kill this bunny. Baby O's like, it was me, I did it. And then Baby O gets shot. And, you know, Cyrus is like taking the piss out of the bunny and stuff. He's like, make a move and the bunny gets it. As Baby O is dying on the floor, he's like, ah, I've been shot. He's like, ah, mate, I feel like maybe God doesn't exist. And (sighs) Nick Cage's response is is like, oh, right, I'm off. And Baby O's like, where are you going? I'm going to show you that God does exist. (laughs) Now, if this came out post uh, Passion of the Christ, if they went with a because this felt very fucking holy indeed. Yeah, this felt even holier than Passion of the Christ. There, I say, loved it. I can't remember when we got like John Cusack and Cole Meany in separate 
helicopters or planes Dude, or something. It's so silly arguing on. Rah, 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 rah. Why are they on board? Do a barrel roll. He's in sandals. Why is he in a fucking big shooty oh. helicopter? DEA man is firing at the plane. Vince is like, no, stop Hold it. fire. Ah. God damn, you think of his daughter. He's got his finger on the big red missile button. I love a big red missile button, Kevin. Oh. I, I don't want Colomini out there with his finger on the button trying to figure out what to do. And all the humming and hawing, they're over sweet home Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh. And they're going to have to make a hard crash landing through the Hard Rock Cafe. No, not the Hard Rock Cafe. I love this whole Vegas stuff so much. I would describe Las Vegas as like mega Blackpool. It's like, you know, hyper Blackpool. Like you, the fish and chips is massive. Oh, mate. Fucking hell, a deep dish of, of peas. Kevin, their only option is to land on the Las Vegas Strip. This oh. is the most action movie thing ever. Like, as that was, like being said to me like oh we're gonna have to put it down on the las vegas strip i was literally like yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is great the thing of the hard rock cafe guitar thing being smashed as they kind of the wing goes through it i watched a little video that that was all done with miniatures really it was, yes it was like a incredible not tiny miniatures like a big kind of like scale reconstructed, yeah, yeah. it's done to scale search out that clip because that is good to watch i think it's probably the thing that in Impresses me the most that me even realizing it is the use of miniatures in in yep. movies like you know Star Wars. I remember watching up the docks as a kid, being blown away how much of it was done with you know I don't use the word miniatures, but these are miniatures mm. that take up like an entire sound studio. It's incredible. Big miniatures. Yeah. Oh man, I miss that shit. I absolutely do. And I I, I was alongside with you, Sam, hooping and hollering yep. and fist pumping the air as all this went down. And I particularly liked that as closer as they got to the climax of the movie the grosser John Malkovich get because then he's going to Poe the last thing your daughter's gonna smell is my fucking minging breath what? Yeah. what's he talking about that? I'm gonna breathe yeah. on your daughter and then kill her yeah. go with me Jesus God, yeah. fuck off go away with your breath like a dirty old longshoreman the, the, the plane smashes into a casino there's pro- propellers flying around a slot machine gets like 777 and it, all the money comes out Hello. just as it's ah. how do the bad escape how do they escape on a fucking fire truck this is so this is just gta online you're not someone call them on <laughs> we get like a little mini payoff for some of our plot stuff here we get baby o is going to the hospital even though he's been shot and he's you know he, he's gonna be fine the lady guard sally gives poe a little kiss and says thank you and that's mostly all she gets to do oh no she did hit cyrus with a gun at one point oh she she, she temporarily bopped cyrus a little temporary bop but yeah, so Cyrus has commandeered a fucking fire engine with the rest of the gang. And so Poe and John Cusack... Oh, it looks Vince, like a job for the Hog Brothers. They're they, <laughs> on police bikes together. For some reason, Poe Cameron, who is a is still a criminal, or is yep. at the very least just a civilian, is like, uh, no, I'm allowed on this police bike as well. Fuck it. They're a team now. The man's a hero. On they go. These action sequences with Las Vegas lights behind them, using a hose on the fire engine to spray cops off their bikes 
Oh, I'm loving it. I'm loving Ving it. Ving Rhames, who I swore did more. I think there may be a director's cut of this movie that I've seen previously because I swore Ving Rhames did more than he did in this. Because he doesn't he, get much of a look in. No, he gets unceremoniously no. exploded, and then Cyrus he gave him a good poke now, a proper poke with a sharp stick, and he said, and Nick Cage says to him, "You ain't getting anywhere near my daughter." He's got big, nervous, new wrestling character in the 80s vibes to him. Like, you know, he's a big galoo who doesn't know his own strength. He's got a I'm million here dollar to look. prove to all you people that I'm one of the best that you've been yeah. missing an opportunity having me on this. I'm going to be the, the end, strongest. Just because I know it's near the end. I'm going to start shouting because it's the end of the <laughs> thing that I have to say now. <laughs> he handcuffs Cyrus to the ladder on the fire engine. The fire engine gets filled up with water, smashes up. This is so see this is such a high score death Nick jumps off it as it bursts into flames there's money everywhere and god the Cyrus's death sequence as he kind of just rolls off it's got the... th- it's got a three act structure his death <laughs> it's ridiculous how did he get to the point where his head is underneath a, a pile driver here how, how did that how, did he go along he went along a conveyor so belt he smashes th- off the oh. fire engine yeah through the kind of veranda like walkway the sky bridge essentially between these two buildings smashes through those lands on some high voltage electricity wires that make goes and then from that he kind of the electricity kind of pushes him off where he just lands in a rubbly pile that is then tipped automatically into this pile driving mechanism yeah because apparently in Las Vegas there are these big smashers just lying around it's a Rube Goldberg machine of a death it just it just takes so long <laughs> and Sam you have got to again the rolling document please when my coffee is being lowered into the earth. Please play. <laughs> like everyone knows that was a proper bad bollocks. So, job done. Poe and Larkin shake hands. Oh, we, we did it together. Now there's another man that I trust. It's you. As well as my Lord Savior Jesus Christ. <laughs> And to a lesser extent, baby O. Now I'm going to meet my daughter for the first time. How can I live without you, please, again? How can you get those stains out after he fucking hugs them both? Like, they'll be fucking peeling them off. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, he's all sticky. Yeah, it, I mean, his daughter is like, oh, you look weird, and I don't... And he's like, oh, no, I'm just smelling from all of the action film I've been in <laughs> for two hours. And yeah, look, they get reunited. He's reunited with his wife, his daughter. He meets his daughter. They all have a nice nice blinking lights behind them and oh who's who's unaccounted for here Hmm. Oh, it's only serial killer Steve Buscemi who is now having fun in Vegas as a gambling man. What's the matter, Sam? You too crazy to gamble? And then the, the fucking sitcom-looking outro with oh all of the, the cast like smiling. Like, Not I'm, since Predator have we got these like I'm family sitcom ending like. <laughs> I had so much fun watching this movie. Me too. It's a movie that I was so thankful was just brought into my life by my friends. Because I didn't see... I think the first time I saw it, I would have been like 19 maybe or thereabouts. So I didn't get to see this, you know, in the golden age of the 90s when I would have seen, you know, a lot of things like Face Off and whatnot. But my God, this is an exemplary example. This is so fucking 
pure. This is worthy of being put in a time capsule, I believe. This is an argument for the excess of the late 90s. <laughs> it's one of those films where I feel like if I was to really look at it and properly try and critique it and be a film critic, there's a whole host of shit wrong with this, right? Like, oh, yeah. it's, it's not it's not good, but it's good. <laughs> it's it's fun is what it is. This is a fun daft switch off your brain enjoy the chaos like it didn't take itself seriously as face off even though it was as silly i would say yeah i mean the fact that when it, when it was revealed to me that they were going to have to put the plane down on the las vegas strip <laughs> and that visceral reaction was like, yeah i felt so much joy watching this stupid <laughs> film like it, it's crap but it's good it's just it's it's eating a big bag of fucking pink coconut things and just getting yeah. really full and queasy but you're like excited because you got full of sugar i kind of almost glad this didn't win the nick cage vote because i feel like it's not necessarily the greatest nick cage you know uh, uh advertisement even though he's like perfectly weird and nick cage in it but yeah. I, I feel like this is an ensemble cast and it works because the hero is so weird and the villain's so fucking pitch perfect yeah oh and what a cast of characters along the way yeah as i say the, there's missteps here and there's things we <laughs> point out and be like oh but it's it's a wild ride and i really really enjoyed it i had a, one of those stupid fun times and i i look I, I feel happy having watched that film. It feels like the whole concept of Cinema Swill over on Patreon is that we get promised a rip-roaring good time. Like, switch your mm. brain off. It's going to be fun. And then it's so not. But this was... Oh! Brain off fun. 100,000 million percent. I'm so glad you enjoyed this. My main question is, would you find yourself watching this again? Yes. I would love to watch this and not... This seems like I'm having a go at the whole formula of Cinema Swill, but I'd love to watch it and not be making notes about it and just be like, oh, yeah. ah, but let's just pop on Con Air and have a blast because I, I think that feels like it's reliably one of those films same with Face Off mm. but perhaps more so with this just in terms of the like daftness of it if, oh, if Hangover Movie was a genre I think this would this, fit very much in there this would be a good Hangover Movie I think I probably should have seen this when I was probably like 18, 19 would have been a good time to see this because you could riff with your uni pals and be yes. like hey look at this absolute wild thing like, I, I think this is the first time I've ever watched the movie while not like having a, a, a big group of friends and yeah, there'd yeah. be beers and pizzas and things every other time I've watched it it's either been that or it's been like a day after that has happened and everyone's like lying around hungover you know <laughs> watching the same movie Kevin my review of this film is as follows way <laughs> that's the feeling of this film it's just way it's the thrill of a smashed glass in a public space folks yes, yes. well Sam you've had a whirl what is your final vote on this cinema swirl there's stuff wrong with it it's not the, the most perfect film I've ever seen. It, 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 this is a solid Bobby Dazzler. This is a four-star wipe film. I'm going to say it's four-star wipes. You heard it here first. Whee! Thanks for listening to another episode of Cinema Swirl. This episode was produced by Kevin, edited by me, Sam, and hey, I also did the music. If you're after more Swirl content or you want to support the show, or better yet, both patreon.com forward slash cinema swirl is the place to go on the socials we are at cinema swirl on twitter and our facebook is facebook.com forward slash cinema swirl which is also where our votes for episodes take place if you've got anything for the mailbag then send it on over to cinema swirl at gmail.com that's cinema swirl at gmail.com please do keep recommending the show to your friends leaving reviews on whatever podcast thing you use it all helps us out thank you so much all right See you next time.